Good evening and welcome to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. <clears throat> uh, Pascal's not joining us tonight. He's off leading a band of pirates off the coast of Somalia, taking control of an American cargo ship. So we wish him luck and we'll see him when he gets back. Um, Jazz, so first off, some big news this week. Uh, Meza Ozil has announced his retirement. Uh, he was... Uh, Huge signing when he signed for uh, signed for us. I remember the the Arsene knows the uh, doing a madness memes that went around at the time. And he came into great fanfare, and he was supposed to transform the club. Uh, I'm not sure he really went that far, but we certainly had some good years out of him. Yeah. Um... It's crazy. My my opinion on on uh, Ozil is very uh, up and down, um, as I'm sure a lot of people's are. You know, based on how he left. Um, when we signed him, you know, it was absolutely massive. I still remember the all the the craziness for the transfer rumors when it actually happened. It was just unreal, you know. And I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, he came to us in his prime after you know killer seasons at Real Madrid and. I was, I was just so excited for it. Uh, you know, probably the best number 10 in the world at the time. And, but we all know how the second half went, you know, so of his stint. So my, you know, my opinion of him is, is, is pretty gray, to be honest. I get that. And it, it really was a career of two halves. And I think with Ozil, there's, there's some outside factors that, that go into this, right? Because he was excellent in the first three years. I mean, there was a couple of years when he could have been player of the year at the at the first couple of years of the club. Yeah. Everything changed after that contract, but I think there's more to it than that. He had that awful World Cup with Germany where it all kicked off when he got back, and that affected him. But also, the game changed on him, right? Like, we've yeah. talked before about how David De Gea went from being possibly the best goalkeeper in the world to being a goalkeeper not suited for a big club in the space of about a season and a half. And a similar thing happened to Ozil. Basically, the position of number 10 disappeared from the top end of football. Yeah, it really did. And and, and that definitely didn't help him. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to make a comparison here that probably every gooner is going to hate. But, uh, you know, you look at like what someone like Christian Eriksen did. I know, I know, but he was, uh, you know, a number 10 as well that did a really good job of adapting his game to uh, a more modern lens. And I feel like Ozil was just, um, I don't know if he was stuck in his ways or, you know, he like refused to kind of evolve with the position or he physically couldn't, but the game left him behind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he could. And we've, it's fine saying that with Ericsson, but Ericsson wasn't a number 10. Ericsson was a right winger. And he moved inside, and then he gradually moved further back to adapt. And he also won fuck all. Let's not forget that. But it's you know it's one of them. It's one of the things where I think Ozil grew up being a ten. He'd always been a ten. He was the best ten in the world for a while. Um, I mean, he was only twenty four when he got to us. People kind of forget that too. And he'd spent two years on top of the world, and then he come to us and he had another three years like it. So he had a pretty decent span as one of the top players in the world. And it's easy it's easy to be completely soured by how it ended, right? Successive managers 
tried to basically get rid of him. Arteta eventually did. It definitely wasn't working. We had all the missed games. We had the mysterious back aches. Uh, we had the refusing to play games north of Watford. Uh, we even had when when Wenger was, you know, people think it was just after Wenger left that it went sour. But we had a game against Liverpool, I think it was, where where the boss decided that he was going to be on the bench and he just refused to be on the bench. So, it, you know, it, he always had that in him a little bit, I think. But I don't want to let the end spoil the start. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, he was unreal that the season he uh, almost broke the assist record in like the first half was that 15-16, I believe. Yeah, yeah the year um, we should have won a title. Yeah, he had like 19 assists in the first half of the season. And then, you know, the forwards just kind of dried up on him. And, uh, you know, that was a bit unlucky there. I mean, yeah, of course, he had some really good moments, um, some really good seasons uh all in his link up with uh alexis was was unreal at times and um so yeah not not to take a lot away from him but but yeah there was um there was definitely a uh like a mental shift for him where he just pretty much stopped giving a fuck you know yeah and i think everything came at once like i said you had that germany thing that obviously weighed heavy on his head yeah you had the the new contract happened you had the fact that number 10 was being phased out of the game. We had Arsene Wenger leaving. All this stuff kind of all happened at the same time. And I think it was just too much for him to overcome in the end. And obviously, we gave him that contract. And I'm not blaming him for signing that contract. We should never have given it to him. But I'm not blaming him for signing it. So it's, you know, it, it's just one of the things it happened. It's unfortunate that it happened that way. But I think you have to remember the the good rather than the bad, um, and, and certainly for this. So good luck to Meza in whatever coffee you're selling next and dancing <laughs> with friends of Erdogan. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> good luck, Meza. Yep. So, all right, well, that's out of the way. So let's, let's take a look at the at the internationals. Um, so we had a fair number called up, like we said, at the start of the week. There's not been a lot of games yet. England are playing as we speak. Um, Saka's had a pretty big role. England are two one up against Italy right now. Saka's had a pretty big role in in both goals. Uh, Thomas Partey went ninety earlier on for Ghana. I haven't heard of any uh, anything going wrong there. So fingers crossed he came through unscathed. Jorginho's playing for Italy as well. He's been absolutely bossed by Declan Rice. Funnily enough, here yeah he he just got a yellow too about five minutes ago. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, yeah the England midfielders. Uh, I mean, I only saw the first half, but the England midfield absolutely overran them there. But, so you know, fingers crossed. Obviously, since we spoke, Erling Haaland has withdrawn from the Norway squad. We've had Marcus Rashford pull out of the England squad. I guarantee you, both of them are playing next weekend. Uh, or just kind of stacking up against us a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the the one thing is, you know, City's obviously got the uh, the Champions League and FA Cup that they're still in. And I, I do think they're going to prioritize the Champions League, even though I know that doesn't mean much with the squad as deep as City's. But um, so, you know, it, it did make more sense for Holland to, to withdraw. Uh, uh, I mean, they're claiming even the uh, Norwegian doctor, I guess, had a look and still sent him home. So... Yeah, um, from what I heard today, um, if you want to discount all conspiracy theories and take it at face value, 
what I heard today was it was the Norwegian doctors that made the decision to send him back. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll find out if he plays at Anfield, right? Yep. So if he, if oh, it's not Anfield actually. Sorry, it's uh, it's yeah, Daddy Hans. But yeah, if they, we'll find out if he plays there, because if he plays there, we know that it's shenanigans, basically. Yeah, I can pretty much guarantee he will. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's no doubt that uh, that he's going to be playing there. But you're right; they do have. It it does go away though to point out the delicateness of the situation, right? Because he's he's pulled up or whatever he's done in training. Man City have now got what seventeen potentially 17 or 19 games between now and the end of the season and we're looking at we're looking at 10 so it's yep. um you know that's a that's a big difference so even if this one isn't quite as real as uh I'd like it to be there is a chance that it's going to happen yeah yeah uh i mean their schedule is i mean they've got a lot more on their plate and um you know some of their champions league games i'm sure are going to be really tough they got madrid next right um uh yes they've got uh or no Bayern Bayern, Bayern yeah and then if they get through they've got uh they've got most likely Madrid yeah so which is know, as good of a draw as we could have hoped for really I mean I was kind of hoping Liverpool would go through and they'd get Liverpool because that would have been a couple of tasty clashes but I would say Bayern and then Real is uh about as as good as we could have hoped for yeah and to be honest you know I mean I hope they they go through I think uh the longer they stay in these competitions the better it is for us you know of course um so I'm not, I'm not, you know, cheering for them or anything, but, but hopefully they stay in as long as possible. You know, I'll, I'll take pretty much any edge we can get right now. Yeah, I'll be cheering for them against Bayern. Uh, I won't yeah. be cheering for them against Real in the semi because I get into the, the final. We don't make a difference. It's a big enough gap. But yeah, uh, yeah I definitely want to see them playing in the, playing in the semi of that for sure. So okay, well, the international is that brings us uh brings us on to well actually before that did you see that uh we sent one of the physios to Ghana with Thomas Partey I did yeah yeah I find that uh I find that pretty funny actually yeah I think it's a sensible move too I mean we can afford the ticket yeah yeah for sure and you know just just uh I mean if it helps you know manage his his workload and 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 uh you know keeps him injury fee injury free it'll look genius um I saw he still went ninety today, though you said right. So yeah, he did. He did go. He did go ninety earlier. But I mean, having a physio there can't uh, can't do any harm. And I'm, I mean, I assume the fact that he's there means that Garner have okayed it. Yeah. So you know, any any little thing like that, I think has I think has got help when it's so well, as in there were. That. Sorry. No go. There were uh, pictures of him uh, today that he was wearing uh, like the Ghana training gear and stuff like that too. So he looks like he's being pretty. Uh, pretty accepted yeah i mean this is it's a smart move send him out there give them a free member of staff and give you know he's still being paid by the club so go out there gives garner a free member of staff and gives us a uh gives us uh not necessarily a spy in the camp because he's allowed to be there but it gives us some an extra set of eyes over there i'm i'm more than happy with that i mean it can't hurt you know no exactly can't hurt. exactly following balligan so speaking of phantom injuries Following Balogun was called up to England under 21s. He apparently got an injury, withdrew from the under 21 squad, turned up in Orlando, and was pictured today running around on some training pitches uh, that are being used by the USMNT. Um, <laughs> there's no no official word of anything happening. I know he posted his uh, not so cryptic 
go where you're wanted post on on Instagram. Um, yep. We've spoken about this before. Obviously, you're American. I live in the US. I personally would like to see Balogun play for the US. I think it would be good for Arsenal to have the US main striker playing for them. Uh, from the US point of view, obviously, it would be great. I, I, I like Daryl DK, but beyond that, the US don't really have a striker. Uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think it's huge, to be honest. Um, kind of everybody everybody wins here, you know. Um, I think Arsenal benefits because he'll be a, he'll be a pretty big focal point of that team, I think. Um, and you know, I'm sure it's going to be good for his development, even just the experience of playing on the international stage. And and uh, Concacaf is can be pretty rough. Um, so I'm sure he'll benefit from that, you know, riding out some challenges and playing on terrible pitches. And, um, and uh, you know, obviously the player, he benefits. Because, um, I mean, I think he'll go in basically being, you know, one of two or three, you know, in the in the striker position, you know, top top two or three. Well, he should and, because uh, the U.S., I mean, we saw in the World Cup, the U.S. have got a good team. They do mm-hmm. not have a centre forward, right? Yeah. They've got a good midfield. McKenney, Musa, and Tyler Adams is a good midfield. You've got Pulisic, you've got Gio Reyna, you've got plenty of players who can play wide. What they don't have is a centre forward. I mean, they brought on a guy at the World Cup whose name I can't remember, and you will probably remember his name. But he Haji was just, Yeah, Haji Wright. He's just okay. slightly worse than me. <laughs> just slightly worse than me. So and I was a goalkeeper. So you know that that you know Balogun would would to me Balogun comes in and, and starts there. I mean I think Daryl DK is the best US striker. He's been injured a lot, so he's not really been with the squad. But there's not much competition up there right now. Yeah, I mean they have they have Josh Sargent, who's a a, a Norwich player and um, a terrible footballer. And uh, well, I don't I don't uh, really dislike Sargent. He's not much of a goal scorer though. He's a lot more of like. Um, you know, bring other guys into the play. But the thing is, he, he's a little slight too. So he's not this brilliant hold-up player. Uh, he also has very bad hair. Yeah, he's it's not great. But but so, yeah, I think I think uh, Flo goes right in, you know, uh, right up at the top. And I think it's, you know, a great opportunity for him. And I think, uh, you know, from just like a, a media standpoint for Arsenal, you know, the the more players that we have as like a face of a national team only really makes us, you know, a bigger club. Yeah, and I think worst case scenario is he chooses Nigeria. And I say that simply because it's another player at the African Cup of Nations, yeah. uh, which which I think they've, they've moved it to the summer now, right? But I, I think they play it every two years, but they've moved it to the summer. But that would be... To me, that would be that would be worst case scenario because I don't see we'd we'd really get any benefits from that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not heard anything that he's even considering that. I, I don't. I've not read anywhere. I've just I just know that he's eligible. Um, yeah. It does seem like it's a swap there. And I've, I've heard a couple of people say, well, he's he's left the under twenty ones and and gone to Orlando to put pressure on Southgate. Pressure on Southgate for what? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. I mean, fair enough. He, he's he's. 21, 22, and he's, he's having a good season in, in, in Ligue 1. But Southgate's not under any pressure to pick him. Look at the strikers England have got to choose from. And, and that's another reason for choosing the US. The US have got a home World Cup in 2026, like we were talking about with Matt Turner on, on Monday. Yeah. Um, if I'm Balogun, there's only one choice that I'm making. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
even though, you know, for for form, if we're just talking about form, I mean, he is one of the more informed players in the uh, the England player pool right now for up top. I mean, no one's going to dislodge Harry Kane, but I mean, he's having a better season than, than you know, a few other options. Um, he is, but... but he's doing it in league. And I'm just not... <laughs> I'm just not sure how much anybody in England setup gives a damn about it. I'll be yeah. quite honest with you. That that's kind of how I see it. I think you know it is looked upon as a bit of a joke league, to be quite yeah. honest. And I'm not sure. And 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 the thing is, there is there is a reason for it. It's not just all arrogance, right? You've seen what we call the Bundesliga tax. Players come from the Bundesliga. They come into the Premier League. Look at Jadon Sancho. They come in. And they just don't produce at that level. Pula City is another perfect example. Yep. There is a difference between these leagues and coming in. Serie A and La Liga are obviously a lot closer. But when you're looking at Bundesliga and especially Ligue 1, it, it's very difficult to look at them goals and say they count the same. Yeah, uh, very good point. And, and I agree. I will say, though, there is a lot. I, I consider Ligue 1 a very... Um, a very good developmental league. And I think it's a, the perfect spot for where he is in his career right now. Um, so, you know, if he goes there and he can score, you know, 20, 22 goals this season and it, it builds his confidence and stuff like that, I'm, I'm all for it. But I, I do agree that looking at his performance in, in Liga compared to players in the Premier League, it's, you know, not, it's not the same for sure. Yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, right, I think he's had an excellent season in, in Liga and I think it's been a phenomenal loan for him. But we're talking about, can he come back to Arsenal and nudge in front of Eddie and Ketia in the list, right? That, that's how we're talking about it. Eddie and Ketia is not in the list for England. So if Eddie and Ketia isn't in the list, why would Florian Balogun be in the list? Do you see what I mean? Like, I think, I mean, just because he scored a few goals, I think people will get a bit carried away with the international hopes. I just don't, and I'm not saying that from my point of view. I think he looks like a really top player. I'm glad we've got him and I really want to see how he progresses. But England are not going to cap him just because he scored a few goals in league, in Liga. It's just it's just not going to happen. Whereas the US will. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's having a, a better season for a striker than I remember you know, who, going back to like McBride. Um, yep. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I can't, I guess, I mean, Clint Dempsey isn't really a striker. He's a midfielder that kind of played up front because he had to. That's yeah. the only, that's the only comparable because Dempsey had a season, I think, full on where he hit 16 or 17. Yeah. But that's the only, that's kind of the only thing. There's never been any, the US have always had a problem with forwards, right? If you ask most people, they'll say the US best forward is Josie Outerdoor. Um, <laughs> uh Friends in the UK will remember him as the guy who couldn't hit a barn door when he played for Sunderland or Hull City. So it's, you know, that's if that's the best that you've ever had, there's definitely a lot of room to improve in that position. And that's, it's interesting that you bring Josie up because, um, uh, you know, he had that, I can't remember what club it was now, but he had that season in the Eredivisie, uh, the Netherlands, yes, where he, he um, what he had like 20 plus goals, right? Yes. And then he he gets his transfer to uh, the Premier League and and scored what I think one one goal all season. Yeah, it, um, it 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 didn't go it didn't go very well for him in the Premier League. So he was uh, yeah he was at Artsy in in Holland and he had that really good season. And then he went to Sunderland and uh, he played forty two times and scored one goal. 
Yep. So it's you know it it didn't go it didn't go well from there. And that was by the way after he when he was at Villarreal as a as a youngster he had a, a season on loan at Hull where he played twenty eight games and he also scored one goal. So you know that tells you that that tells you kind of the the gap. I mean, all right, you're not playing for top teams, but you would expect a better return than that. And I would expect a better return than that from Balogun. Yep, I would too. Yeah, one goal coming to the Premier League, I'd be I'd be uh, uh, very disappointed in that. Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting one. It's it's one to watch. Obviously, with us being stateside, it's one that will take a keen interest in. I don't, like I say, I'm I'm hoping he does choose the US. I think it'd be good for him. I think it'd be good for the club. Um, and I'm also hoping he gets integrated next year. I'll be honest, I don't really want to see him go out on loan again. If it was up to me, and if the bids are there. I would be more inclined to say to Eddie, thank you, go and try your luck as a starter somewhere and have Flo playing the Eddie role, you know? Yeah, I think um, for for me right now, uh, it, let's, you know, uh, touch wood, but, you know, Jesus goes down with another injury or something like that. I um, I prefer to see Trossard as the starting backup striker. Um, even if Eddie was fit, I just think... Um, it it works better for for us. Uh, we're we're more fluid. He's you know brought in Martinelli back to life. Um, so I mean I don't even really consider Enkedi a, a second choice striker anymore. And I think um, what what Balogun gives us uh, based on his time you know on loan this season it is quite a bit of a different option to both Eddie and Jesus. So. I think uh, integration and being able to give us uh, a different option off the bench as a striker is, is uh, you know, it, it could be pretty important. Yes. Yeah, it's it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time for, for Balogun over the next, over the next year, I think, because there's going to be a lot of decisions, decisions made by him. That's going to, that's going to really affect the future. Let, let me ask you this. What do you think? Let's say we did transfer list uh, and Kedia, what, what would you be expecting to get for him? 40 million minimum. That's what I'm thinking too. Yep. Yeah, forty million minimum. When you look at what other players, and this, I was actually thinking about this earlier, Ron. If we were to sell Balogun, what would you want for Balogun? Oh, that's Spain, a little. Right? That's a little tough. Yeah, probably you, about. You got to be. If you look at what, if you look at what Newcastle play paid for Isaac, if you look at what who who else went recently, if you look at what Lille were asking for Jonathan David. Right, the Canadian forward. Yep, they wanted sixty million for him. Yeah, and Balogun's homegrown too. I would take Balogun in a straight up, straight up contest between the two of them. Really? So yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I, you know, I think I think Balogun again the same as the same as Eddie. There's got to be serious money put on the table if you want one of them. I guess I'm just so pessimistic of our uh, of our sales and. Well, this is this is the key, right? We've we've got off subject a little bit as we want to do, but this is this is the key now. We've had we've had a couple of years where we've all gone, ah, well, we're paying people to leave. It's not our fault. Nobody wants them. Can't argue that now. You can't argue that now. When you look yeah. at the players who, who are possibly going to be on the way out, and I'm not saying any of these people are going. I'm just saying that it's possible that you've got names being talked about with moves away, like Kieran Tierney, like Emil Smith Rowe, like one of Enkete or Balogun. If you look at them names. You're expecting money for them, even Rob Holding. They, yep. Them players ain't going for free. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think this is interesting, interesting times 
coming up for them for sure. So to keep on the USA theme, uh, we announced a part of the uh, summer tour. So we're going to be playing the MLS All-Stars in DC. I know the first batch of tickets have already uh, got on sale and, and sold out, I believe, to Arsenal American members. I should know as soon as I'm an Arsenal American member. Um, but I think the uh, the first batch of uh, pre-sale tickets have already gone and, and, and sold out. We don't have any information yet about anything else, but what I am hearing, we know Manchester United are going to be on tour here, and I'm hearing there's a possibility of a, a game against Manchester United, probably on the West Coast, um, probably in Stan Stadium in LA. So I would look out for an announcement for that. Um, I don't know whether there'll be any more East Coast games or not this year. We'll find out as we go on, but I, I'm guessing there's probably going to be at least three or four games here, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I think that's how it's been uh, historically when when um, when Arsenal's come over. Or, you know, most most of the European teams uh, don't just do one. Um, no, so I'm, I'm thinking the likely, the likely way is probably Manchester United in Los Angeles, maybe a quick game against uh, Colorado on the way over to the East Coast to play the All-Stars. And then maybe we see one more one more game on this coast um after the after the MLS or or even before the MLS All-Star game. Yeah, I, I like it too. I, I like when Arsenal comes to the States, um, you know, for selfish reasons mostly, but um, you know, I think it's it's good for MLS as well. You know, anytime these uh these big European clubs come over, uh there's a lot of people that will, you know, tune in just to watch Arsenal or or Manchester United or or Bayern or um, so, you know, it can only really raise the profile of the league and every now and then, you know, these MLS clubs will get a, will get a win and, um, you know, makes everybody feel better. Uh, well, what a time to do it as well. Like with us flying high, like we are, I mean, we're already going to be looking at maybe getting some new fans on board off the back of this season. Some people who are just getting into football over here, who are, who are looking at watching these Premier League games because the Premier League's the most watched league over here. It's right. the MLS is actually the third most watched league. It's uh, it's the Premier League, it's Liga MX, the Mexican League, and then it's the MLS. So there's a lot of eyes on the Premier League at all times. So it's a great time to be coming over. It's a great time for some more outreach that we've been so good at over the last over the last year, two years. It's a great time to be coming over. I can't think of a better time. Yeah, you know, in the the uh, North American World Cups on the horizon too, you know, so some big things going on stateside as far as football is concerned. And yeah, I mean, you're right, uh, being you know title favorites or whatever right now, front runners is is a it's a a good time to get some more exposure, you know. And and those international fans, you know, I mean that that's what gives you the the big sponsorship deals, you know, having a lot of you know TV rights and whatnot. Um. So, yeah, yeah and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the big, if you look at a lot of the sponsors that aren't gambling sponsors, obviously, um, of the, the Premier League, they're, they're American companies. Yep. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's big news. It's big business. The overseas TV rights are growing every year in the Premier League. I know that uh, NBC re-upped the Premier League, um, the, the, the Premier League rights again. And now this morning, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Apple TV are talking about bidding for uh, streaming services for the Premier League. At the minute, there are some games on Amazon, I believe, in the UK. Um, mm. Apple TV are, are talking about, I don't know whether it would just be a UK thing or if it was a world, it'd be a worldwide thing. But yeah, Apple TV are talking about getting in on the streaming rights. 
so it's yeah so it's a time of you know it's been a time of real growth for for 30 years for for english football but it's definitely good to be at the forefront of it you do not want to be at the back of it right and we've been there for too long you know we spoke about how poor our commercial record's been um so hopefully hopefully this can this can kind of push us forward there yeah um I mean, again, I feel like it, it can kind of only be positive, you know, um, not going to hurt us. What do you think, um, just just a, a short detour here, but you kind of have to give um, some pretty big credit to uh, Vinay, I think, um, for the commercial side of things. It, it, the, the tours, a lot of a lot of the international decisions that that we've made, you know, short of the Super League have all seemed quite a bit more impactful than than we had under Gazidis, uh at least in the later years um, yeah quite honestly i don't really understand what anyone does at arsenal <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what i mean like the job titles are all so open a lot of the time i mean you you assume that on the playing side it's it's edu and Mikel, and then the business side of it you've got between vinai you've got richard garlic um and i, I and now obviously tim lewis so yeah. i i and and Josh is there as well. So I don't know where the driving force is behind it, but I, I think what we can say for sure is over the last few years as a club, it has definitely got better and better. And the tour here, like, I mean, if you look the last the last 18 months to two years, everything they've touched has turned to gold, right? Everything. The tour over here last summer was an amazing success. It's probably the best preseason tour that Arsenal have ever had. It led into this season and everything that's going on now. You had the Amazon documentary, which was obviously filmed before that. That turned into absolute gold. So everything they're doing, the partnership with Adidas, the kits, the every retro kit they do, you know, every sweatshirt they release, every hoodie, every zip-up jacket, it's everything is just turning to gold at the minute for the club. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that they are capitalising on it. And, and long may it continue. Yeah, we've been in a like a real fortunate streak, I think, with uh, with all that, and I think it just ties into the 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 timing of things right now is just um, you know unbelievable. I, I mean, especially when you think about uh, you know how poorly run everybody would say we were just just three seasons ago, four seasons ago, you know, and 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 just the turnaround is has been uh, you know nothing short of incredible. Uh, it's, you know, everything's coming up Arsenal right now, it seems. And it's, you know, it, it's huge. And I, I'm glad that, you know, we're, we're benefiting, you know, on the pitch, but, but off the pitch as well, you know, kind of at the same time, it's just quite the uh, well-oiled machine right now. Yeah, it is. And, you know, in, in 2023, the summer of 2023, this summer coming up, we have to capitalize on everything. Like not just if we win the title or, or or whatever, but the whole feeling around the club that we've spoken about, that has to be capitalised on. I don't think the US will be the only country that they're going to stop off. In. What what? How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about that? I think you're probably right. I um, I think like a stateside tour and like an Asian tour is probably too much over one summer. But I, I don't know if it will be a tour, though, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a one-off game in maybe a Kuala Lumpur or somewhere like that. Do you know what I mean? Either somewhere big in Malaysia, Indonesia, um, 
somewhere like that. Just a one-off game. Maybe, you know, like, like you know, we seem to play Chelsea every pre-season for some reason. Maybe we play Chelsea in a one-off game in Malaysia. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Yeah, or maybe even the Middle East, you know, somewhere like Qatar, Dubai. Um well, I mean, we do that during the season. So. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I mean, obviously there's always a chance of, chance of that. But, yeah, I definitely I definitely feel like they're going to they're gonna really try and capitalise on this. Hopefully it won't come to the detriment of the squad, um, as in just trying to stretch ourselves too thin. But I, I definitely see... I definitely see more than more than just one foreign stop, and I, I think just with the way everything is right now, I don't think you can. I don't think you could deny fans from wherever the chance. Yeah, and you know how these preseason friendlies go. You know we're going to see a lot of the the kids as well. Um, you know I'm sure most of the senior guys won't even get more than you know a half up until the final couple of friendlies. It's more the traveling, though, isn't it? I mean, these yeah, are, these yeah. are these are long flights. Um, I I think if Manchester City win the FA Cup, then we will be in the Charity Shield, regardless, right? The Community Shield, as it's called these days. Yeah, yeah, that's a good first, point. First second league. So I think next year there's a there's a pretty good chance. I would say probably better than even's chance that we are, regardless of what happens with. with us versus City in the in the league. There's a good chance we're also back a week early for the Community Shield. Yeah, that's true, and we'll have the the Emirates Cup too. I believe we do that every year, so we'll probably have a a, a very full uh, full preseason doc. And I'm expecting several games. Maybe yeah, even- well, what I was thinking actually, one of the reasons I was I was thinking that it just popped in my head is that maybe the Emirates Cup has always been at the Emirates shock. Um, maybe it's time to have it in the Emirates. <laughs> you want to play a game in Dubai? Have the Emirates Cup in Dubai? Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I could I could definitely see that happening. You know. Yeah, I, it's it's one for later, Rob. But it just you know, I just got thinking about it as we were as we were talking about the talking about the tour. So let's um, let's leave the first half there, Just. We'll come back for the for the second half in a minute. There's there's more to discuss. There's actually a lot more than I than I thought there was, there was going to be today, <laughs> considering there's no football. But it does give us a chance to look at the peripheral stuff that you perhaps don't get a chance to to really go through. So um everyone loves a bit of transfer talk in the uh in the middle of March. But there is some <laughs> there is some stuff that I think is is probably probably worth a look at. Um so we'll be back in the second half and uh we'll we'll get stuck into it. Sounds good. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. This is part two. Um, just before the break, I teased that maybe we're going to do uh, a little bit of transfer talk. Um, we're going to go a little bit around the houses because uh, it's maybe not a transfer rumour as such, but uh, a constant, if you like, is Declan Rice. He's the one, there's been reports that a deal has been agreed. There's other talks that we other seen that we haven't even opened talks yet. But one thing's for sure, he's a target. Um, the first 45 minutes tonight, he was sensational. I didn't see the second half because obviously we were here recording and I really wasn't paying much attention. Um, but he was absolutely brilliant in that first half. He, he ruled that game. And week by week, it's obvious that we do need someone there. He'd be pretty perfect, wouldn't he? He would, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like so strongly about it that if we could only do one thing this summer, I would probably sign Declan Rice. Um, I do feel like he's going to be a bit of a transformative signing for us. 
he fits in with the group so so well just being at that you know it, in his age category uh you know english well um and then you know just just his leadership qualities having been a captain for a while he's in a position we desperately need um but he's also more than capable of playing in Jaka's role, he can play as a center back, which I don't think would really ever happen. But we know Arteta likes the the players that can play in a few positions. Um, yeah, he likes the IQ, doesn't he? He likes the fact it's not that he wants you to do it. He likes that you can do it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just think he'd be an absolutely massive signing for us and, and perfect, really. Yeah, and the other ones that have been coming up, we're still being linked with Caicedo. Um, McAllister has also been linked recently and Mitoma basically the entire Brighton squad <laughs> seems to be seems to be linked uh I don't know how much the relationship between us and Brighton soured in January to be quite honest I I don't see why it would have we made a bid they rejected it we didn't go back so I I don't see why it would have why it would have soured particularly um any of those you can see happening? I guess maybe Caicedo could be reignited, but I mean, we're not going in anywhere near the money we were willing to pay in January, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, it, it, I guess it just kind of depends on, you know, what, and this will be different for, for each person, I'm sure, but, you know, what you, what you feel like we need, um, you know, do we go with, with two sixes and a left eight? Do we go with... Um, you know, someone that just can play both of those positions. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, there was the talk in January that we wanted Rice and Caicedo. Um, that seems like a big ask, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, I've got to say, I'm not saying we wouldn't do it, but it does seem like a big ask to be to be looking at both. Uh, yeah, I just I can't really see both. Um, if I'm being honest, I, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, not to say, you know, again, not to say it won't happen, but yeah, I'd be very surprised, especially when, you know, they know we want another, uh, uh, right wing and, and, uh, probably a fullback, um, you know, depending on what happens with holding, we might be looking at another center back. Um, so yeah, I just think there's, there's a, a decent bit of business that'll all be pretty expensive to, you know, kind of double dip in that like number six role. Yeah. Speaking of fullbacks. What do you think the chances are we go back in for Fresneda? Um, I think that's probably pretty high on the list. I don't know. It, hopefully Tommy's injury isn't too serious, but it does sound like he's going to be out for uh, for a while. Um, I, I also think there's a point a bit like was possibly one of the reasons that, that Tierney finds himself on the outs. Um, I wonder if there's going to be a point where Mikel just gets to the point where he says, you know what, I just can't rely on this guy. Yeah, that that's a that's a good point and something that's crossed my mind as well. Um he's he's been very injury prone um since he's been here and I think um you know even the fact that he he's played left back and we know he can play center back I really wouldn't be surprised if we went back in for Fresneda. He seems uh, a very uh, Arteta player plays that role how, you know, Arteta expects him to. They've got the, you know, the Spanish connection. Um, he's not very expensive. And, and I guess if if we, I mean, I'm not saying Tommy Asu is going to be sold. So if we, if we, if you know, if if Tommy Asu is 
is back again next year, which he probably will be, then Fresneda makes a lot of sense, right? Because if Rob Holding goes, then Tommy Asu's natural fit is kind of that. It, it's almost like him and Rob Holding have just, uh, him and Ben White have just swapped positions. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking too. I think that makes the most sense to bring in like a right back and have Tommy as your your backup center back. Well, and Fres- Fresneda too. I mean, he's only, he's only what, 18? So, it, it, you know, it's not like he's going to be coming in and playing 40 games. So there's a chance he comes in and it's still Tommy Asu as cover at right back. But Tommy yeah, that's is true. also the cover at centre back. And, you know, and Fresnader's there in case of emergency smash glass kind, yeah, of, and I, kind of thing. I do. I imagine it will be like that, at least for, you know, maybe the first half season or whatever. I think they'll take it really slow with him and, you know, have him have him, uh, you know, bed in before he's seeing significant minutes. Um, but yeah, I think that move makes a lot of sense. And it's also not going to uh, like break the bank either. You know, it's a pretty reasonable transfer for his age and, you know, several years potentially out of him. Um, I hope so. I hope we go back in for him. I, I like the profile of the player a lot. And another one that's been linked to us a lot is uh, Rio Sociedad's uh, Zubimani. Um he, I don't know if you saw his, his interview, uh, but he he made it pretty clear that his 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 aim really is to stay with Sociedad. Uh, I mean, I don't know economically if that's really possible for him to stay there. He's a sixty million euro rated midfielder. I, I don't know a club like like Sociedad can hold on to him if the bid comes in. You know, Sevilla didn't want to sell Jose Antonio Reyes until the best part of twenty million quid popped up on their uh, on their on their fax machine. So I know he wants to stay. What do you think is going to happen there? Uh, so first off, I, I actually, I really, I really like that uh, in a player. Um, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, loyalty's uh pretty rare nowadays. So to have someone come out and say, you know, I want to stay with my, my boyhood club, I think is always uh, pretty cool, even if it's not, you know, the best for us. So I, I really kind of like that mindset with him. Um, I do worry about that a little bit, though, because there there are echoes of Jose Antonio Reyes. And uh-huh. Reyes showed flashes with us. And there's been a lot of revisionism with, with Reyes over the last couple of years, and, and for obvious reasons. Right. But Reyes never hit the heights of us. He had a couple of good games. He scored some important goals. But he was drifting for most of his time. And he did not want to leave Sevilla. We took him away from a club that he didn't want to leave. And I think that was a big part of why it didn't work. And and make no mistake, it did not work for him at Arsenal. He was a great player. He showed flashes of real, real greatness. But he never did it. And we in the end we had to we had to get rid of him and we and we, we took a, a big loss on him. That's a worry for me when a player's like that, when he really doesn't want to leave somewhere. Yeah, it's always something to worry about. And I feel like you see it a lot with like Spanish and Italian players. You know, they they're they're happy to to stay in their their league, stay with their clubs. Um Well, and this is even stronger because not only is it Spanish, it's Basque. Yeah, that's true. Um Yeah, I mean I, I would say so uh he's not a player that I've seen a lot firsthand, uh, to be completely honest. Um his profile sounds really nice, but I mean, bottom line, if 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 he doesn't want to come to us, you know, that's probably one we should just leave alone for all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, so that'll just kind of be one to watch. I I think if he's uh, cheaper than than Caicedo, and and we already have Rice, if we are looking at two players in that position, I'd probably prefer to go with the cheaper one because they'll they'll be mostly a backup player. Well, I, I hate that term, but it, you know what I mean. I mean. 
if we sign if, you, if, if we let's in a hypothetical world let's say we do sign Declan Rice is Caicedo the Brighton midfielder you want because for me that's no the one you'd want if you signed Rice would be McAllister yeah yeah you're you're probably right there I, again I think it just depends on what the club wants to do you know are they going to want to try to sign two players in like the six mold? Because obviously we're going to chase a left eight too, right? I mean, well, that would to me that would that is why I'm saying Rice and McAllister because yeah. Jorginho is going to be at the club next year. Jorginho yeah, ain't, yeah. Going, ain't going anywhere. So yeah. if we did sign someone, I mean, that if we sign someone is to jump Jorginho in the queue for the six, right? Like that. Right. That's the whole point is that you line up and then if party's unavailable or when party's time in the club comes to an end. You've got the replacement there. Rice would be immediate competition for that role. Yep. Um, I, I, as of right this second, Partey's a better player. But Rice definitely shows the potential to get there. And I think it would be good to have that year of competition. And I think that is what you're looking to add. I don't think you add two sixes. And it depends how you see Caicedo and how you see Rice. I mean, I've heard people say Rice is going to be that. Rice would be the eight. I've heard people say Caicedo could play the eight. To me, McAllister is the one who would be more of that eight. But I don't know. I guess we have to see what the see what the plan is there for that midfield. But I definitely there's going to be at least one. That's going to to me. I think that will be the big sign of the summer. Is going to be that central midfielder to to take Jaka's place. Right, the left eight. Is that what you mean? I don't know if they're going to come in and take anyone's place, but definitely to definitely to compete in those areas, the six and the eight. That is where the money's going to be spent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, to me, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see Caicedo being able to 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 give us the offensive output we want in that position, clearly the that we want. Um, but you know, he he's young as well. He could, you know, he he could surprise a lot of people. It, so yeah, it, it just kind of depends. I just uh I'd see them looking for more of a uh, a stronger attacker in that position if they're going to kind of phase Xhaka out slowly. Um, so yeah, of course, Xhaka's also important. immortal. So <laughs> yeah. in, in 2060, we might be having this conversation again. <laughs> you never know. And the only um, the only other one that I've heard, which is absolutely 100% guaranteed never going to happen, um, is Victor O'Seaman again. Uh, there is literally zero chance we sign Victor O'Seaman. Uh, agreed? Oh, who's that? I'm sorry. Victor O'Seaman, the uh, the Napoli centre-forward that oh, scores yeah, three yeah, goals yeah. a game and he's probably going to, if he leaves Napoli, he's probably going to end up at Man United for 200 million. Yeah, we're we're not. We're not signing him. I, no, I, absolutely not. Um, is there any, any other rumours you've heard? The Milinkovic-Savic one came up again. I, I, he's never leaving. That's how he's going to be there forever. Uh, there is one actually. I heard about today, and uh, I don't. I don't want to butcher this name, but it's uh, Gabri Veiga. He is um, new one on me. He is uh, a Spanish like attacking mid or central mid. He his profile sounds like he'd fit in really well with the uh, like what they're looking for in the left eight. But he's got. Okay. Not, He's got nine goals and three assists in 25 appearances. He's 20 years old. Okay, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. That's a that's a new one on me. Yeah, Celta Vigo is where he plays. Um, so that'll be that'll be one to watch. I I've not seen this player at all. 
uh, to be honest with you. And like I said, I just saw the link today or I maybe would have tried to, you know, watch some stuff on him. Um, yeah, well, that's one for the future. Maybe we can keep uh, keep an eye on him over the next few weeks and maybe maybe look at some tape and, and see what we can see what we can figure out there. Yeah, the one that the thing that kind of doesn't make any sense to me is, you know, coming in at that age, um, you know, we, we just signed Vieira. We have Emil Smith-Rowe. So I feel like you'd almost want something uh, something different there, maybe someone a little closer to their prime than a project. Yeah, um, especially with, especially, you know, next year, let's let's be fair, the, the aim is going to be to to compete in the Champions League. Like that yeah. has to be the, that has to be the aim next year. So, um, you know, and also what everyone loves to get excited about transfers and, you know, we're sitting here dedicating time talking about it in, in March, but we've got an incredibly talented group coming through behind an incredibly talented group that have made such an impact, right? Um, I know Lewis Skelly and, and uh, Wanieri are a little way off yet, but Rule Waters has just started to come into the side Maybe they see Rule Waters as as being the man, not Fresnader, that needs to come in there. Charlie yeah. Patino's out on loan. He's had a good loan spell. He he seemed to he seemed to regress a little bit, but now he's back in. That makes sense for a, for a kid playing in the championship. It makes sense that you would hit a little bit of a wall, but he seems to have bounced back out the other side of that. Yep. Is Patino going to get some minutes? Are they going to see him as a six or an eight because he's been playing as a six for Blackpool? So that's an interesting one too. So as well as talking about all these players that we might bring in, it's it's definitely worth remembering that we've got some incredibly talented youngsters who at some point are going to need some game time so we know what we've got. Marcelo Flores is another one that's just signed a new deal. He's out on loan. That Arsenal actually he didn't sign a new deal. Arsenal triggered the automatic extension till twenty twenty five in yep. his contract. You know, he's highly rated. Um Mika Birit, I don't know if he's gonna going to come back and, and play or not, or if he's, if he might move on in the summer. But there's all these players that decisions have got to be made on too. And hopefully, if we can't integrate them into the squad, hopefully this could be the point where we can start making some money to try and fund some of these other moves. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a strategy that's worked really well for uh, Chelsea. You know, and Liverpool. Yeah, in Liverpool. Yeah, good point. Because, um, I mean, it's basically pure profit. And... Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you never know. I mean, I would just say we're we're just we're in a we're in a really healthy position um with our options and uh you know, Patino's one I would definitely keep an eye on. Uh before he went on his Blackpool loan, you know, there was a lot of talk that uh he was on the uh Phil Foden route, you know, and, and the the club wanted to keep him close and yes. and develop him in house and he ended up going out on loan. So I'll be curious to see if they look for another loan for him next year or, or they, they keep him close and start integrating him. Um, so yeah, I mean, just a lot to watch in that space. Uh, I, I expect a few signings still, uh, you know, d- despite this, but, but yeah, I mean, good point. And we've had a lot of success with the youth Academy. Um, you know, I'd say some of the, some of the favorites, some of our best players all came from Hayland and, um, you know, definitely not, not something to, uh, you know, to rule out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, let's let's move on to something a little bit more tangible now. Um, FIFA announced their 32-team Club World Cup that's going to start in 2025 and be every four years. I know a lot of people have looked at it, joke competition, blah, blah, blah. I actually quite like the look of it. 
and I would I would really like to qualify for it. Um, there's going to be obviously a lot of money involved. There always is. It's going to be good for the club. How are you seeing this competition, Just? Yeah, so with the, the current iteration of the Club World Cup, I do basically consider it a joke. Um, well, it is. It's a throwaway for everybody except the South American teams who love to win it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, it still is usually a, a, a European champion. Um, I've I, I got to be honest with you, I don't even know who. I couldn't even name you past winners. I think Chelsea won it one year. Beyond yeah. that, I don't even know who's won the damn thing. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I like this new iteration. I do. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a lot more interesting. Uh, you know, like you said, there's going to be a lot of money involved. I think it's going to be considered more, uh, like significantly more prestigious than the current one is. Um, yeah, it, it definitely will. So just to run through real quick how you qualify for it, because it's a little bit, it's a little bit complicated. So there's 12 teams in total from Europe mm-hmm. and it will be, Two teams from two, the the top teams in coefficient will qualify, plus the Champions League winners from the previous four years. So you will have a maximum of two from each country, unless they're Champions League winners as well, and then you can go up to four. So from England, Chelsea are already in because they won the Champions League in 2021. So unless an English t- if an English team wins the Champions League this year or next year they will be in too. And then it will be the next two that are top on coefficient. So Chelsea are in. It looks like Manchester City are almost guaranteed to be in because they're second in behind, only behind Real Madrid in actual coefficient points. So they're almost certain to be in. Liverpool are probably the favourites. So for us to qualify, we would pretty much have to win the Champions League next year. So that's a guarantee, right? Yeah, easy. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's how it works, basically. Um, and like I said, I would, I would really like to be a part of this. I think it would be, I think it would be a fun thing to, to be a part of. It's going to add more games, but there's always more games. I mean, it's, you know, there's no, there's no arguing against the fact that it's a FIFA money grab. They've looked at the Champions League and the money that the Champions League earns. And then they've looked at the World Cup that they, that they obviously earn money from and they've thought, hmm, how can we, how can we put these things together and earn some money? Well, this yeah. is how you do it. Yeah, I do wonder where they're going to fit these games in, though. Um, I, I heard I was listening to the uh, the athletic football pod uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and they were talking about this and um, they posited that um, these these teams that would go in or, you know, some group of Premier League clubs would forego the, the League Cup. Um, and, uh, oh, you know, that's that's See, I hadn't heard that, but I have an issue with this. And I'll tell you what my issue with this is. When we were good, going back some years now, we used the League Cup as almost a youth competition, right? right? We played some fringe players, but in the main, we brought kids through. I used to go to a, a lot of them games. I used to take my brother with me. Um, it was games that they, they weren't included in our in our um, cup games. We got seven cup ties with our season tickets. And I can't remember what year. It might be 96, maybe, 97. They dropped the league cup from being part of the cup ties. Now it must've been after that because it was when we were, when we, when the champions league became the group stages and what it is. So maybe it was 98, they dropped it. Um, But we had some real good fun in that. And we saw some great players come through. You know, we saw Fabregas made his debut in that. Danielson made his 
debut okay all right maybe that one maybe great isn't the right word but you know we saw but we saw a lot of their players come through in that competition you know Flamini got his debut in that competition and I don't see the need with especially with clubs that are going to be qualifying for this club world cup we have squads between 25 and 30 players we all have youth academies where we've probably got 20 or 30 professionals in the youth team why the hell do we need to pull out? Play, play Rule Waters. Play Lewis Skelly. Is what? it is it just a scheduling conflict, maybe? Because I, I am... No, what? Play two games on the same night. Who cares? Well, it <laughs> won't be because the, the Club World Cup is going into the summer, right? The Club World Cup is going to basically be what the World Cup is. That's how it's going to work. So it's going to basically mean that you don't get a break. But let's be honest, players don't get a break anyway because they just play international football if they're not doing this. So I, I, scheduling-wise, I don't see where the issue would be. And I just don't see why we're playing first-team players in the League Cup anyway. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to just see the, the League Cup be fringe and, and youth. Um, I, think no, that's, I think that's important, though. I always used to say that the, you know, the League Cup, Coca-Cola Cup, Milk Cup, however you remember it, that cup, it's not an important cup to win but it was always an important cup for us to do well in because mm-hmm. we got to see them younger players and we got to see them more often. And we saw some great games in, in that League Cup. And I don't understand why they don't treat it like an under-23 competition. That would make so much sense to me. No one no one really cares if you win it or not, but let's get some of these young players through in big games. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I've always liked it uh, as a um, you know a way to showcase showcase the promising youth and, and, you know, just again, give some, get some minutes and some like fringe legs. I, I think that's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Um, and I think to be honest, that, that kind of almost falls on, on Edu to make it clear that that is the priority and that is the way it should be. I'm not telling, I'm not saying he should be telling Mikel what team to pick, but I do think when they sit down at the end of every season and the start of every season and they go through targets, I do think it should be, it should be, kind of agreed upon by everybody at the club that this is what the league cup is this is how we are going to approach it and there's going to be no recriminations if we go out in the third round to Rochdale it doesn't matter just get some of the kids through let's see what we can do I wouldn't even have a problem if Mikel Arteta didn't manage those games I would have Mm. no problem with one of the one of the youth coaches taking those games I wonder if um because, you know, I remember, I remember Wenger, you know, he used to do it all the time, pretty much just play the kids. And um... yeah, until, until he got desperate for a trophy, right? Yeah. That That's when that changed. It changed when we started going through them barren years, when it was five years about a trophy, then six years about a trophy, then seven years about a trophy. Then it changed. But for the longest time, we treated it as a youth competition. And I think everyone was happy with that. Well, I wonder if, you know, Mikel hasn't really done that. Uh, you know, he's played pretty strong sides in 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 all competitions. Um, but I do wonder now. You know, we're back in the Champions League. He will look at it a little bit differently because he's he's kind of used the the Europa League group stages for uh, sure. Not as young as we'd go in the the League Cup, of course. But you know, younger sides. Given given guy, you know, uh, Willock Nelson. You know, a lot of those guys got quite a few minutes in the. Uh, 
in the uh, group stages of the Europa League. So I'm wondering now we're back in the Champions League where we're not going to have those minutes for those guys if if we see it, you know, rotate hard to the Carabao Cup again. Yeah, and we've and you know, and we've still got a pretty big squad. I mean, this is this is as big a squad as I mean, not the biggest squad we ever had because we had a really bloated squad a couple of years ago. But when we were good, this is a bigger squad than we used to carry under Wenger. We didn't yep. carry squads of this size. You know, and that's one of the reasons you saw a lot of the kids were because we'd have run out of senior pros if you didn't want to play the first team. We didn't have 11 behind them. Yeah. So, you know, it does. We do have to get some some minutes into the legs of the backup players. I think it's a perfect time to do it. But I would I would rather see some youth mixed in there rather than constantly playing one of Saliba and Gabriel and constantly playing one of Shaka or Odegaard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see just a little more, a little more faith. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Mikel's done a really good job at, um, you know, integrating youth and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I really don't care about results at all in the league cup, you know, I, and I'd like to see some faith put in some, you know, some, some completely brand new players, you know, uh, consistently. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do hope that happens now that we're back in the Champions League. I, I You know, next year is going to be, like I said last week, there's going to be less minutes to go around, not more now we're back in the Champions League. So I do hope that the League Cup is seen as a chance to to really give some give some minutes to fringe players and basically cut the first 11 out completely because there's no need for any of them to be playing in that. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so I think we can all agree that we need to win the Champions League next year so we can get in the Club World Cup. <laughs> Sorted. Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we figured that out. Uh, <laughs> one other thing we saw we saw a, a little leak of a, a possible new kit. I I don't know how real this is. It's kind of a copy of the bruised banana kit. It's not quite with our away kits. I <laughs> for me it is always about the shade of the yellow, right? And you can't see that on these photographs when they're leaked, right? So, I am reserving judgment on this because I have judged every kit for the last 10 years when it's been leaked. And I've been wrong on nearly all of them because when you see them in person, they look completely different to the leak. What, what did you, uh, what did you think of this one? We're going to post a, uh, we'll post a link to it by the way, in the, uh, in the episode description. So you guys can have a look at it too. So um, I, I like it. Uh, again, you know, it, it may not be a guarantee and, and, you know, shades could be different and all that, but I like it more than the one from a couple of years ago, the, that, you know, the, the other bruised banana rendition. I think my only kind of complaint, and this is more of a general one, is that uh, it feels like it's kind of milking it a little bit. I mean, we just had a bruised banana kit. Um so I'm a, I'm a little confused by that unless they're kind of trying to make this, you know, like like a thing, like a consistent thing. Um but I do I like it more than the than the last bruise banana kit. I think it it's it's clean. I like the the collar. Um I think it's a pretty nice kit. I don't really care for the the home leak though. Have you seen that one, right? The red and it's Yes. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh it was a little bit plain, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the gold looks nice, you know. Um, yeah, the gold, I, the gold trim. I got no problem with it with a gold trim. Again, I t- these kits. I I really need to see them in in person. I remember I didn't like the last yellow away kit that we had, and then I think the first time I actually saw it in person was when you you wore it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and I saw it and I was like, oh man, I actually really like that. And it's all about the shade of the the shade of the yellow because when you saw it, it looked nothing like it did in the in the pictures. The going back to what you were saying about your issue with the 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 away kit um, being a bit repetitive, that is the one thing that made me think eh, I'm not quite sure this leak is actually genuine. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. Like it, it is very, very repetitive, and I actually really liked the last Bruce Banana kit that we that we released. I, I, I did, and I, I'll tell you a secret: I hated the original. Oh, really? Oh, one of my least favorite shirts that that we've had, other than stupid third kits that are white. But it's, <laughs> it's one of my least favorite kits that we've ever had. I couldn't stand it, and I know Pass loves it, and he's it, kind of it's that Marmite kit, right? Are you you're American? You understand that. Marmite is um, a, a rather terrible sandwich spread, and its tagline is "You either love it or you hate it." Um, and uh, it's so. So we used to call it like a Marmite kit because people either fell in love with that kit or they hated it. And I was definitely on the hate it side, but I did like the second rendition of it. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm viewing these leaks with skepticism because I'm not sure Adidas Adidas are gonna are gonna do the same kit again so soon. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. It just seems odd. I will tell you though, what I've loved about, uh, is it the last three now? Maybe just the last two. I'm, You're going to say I the Canon, right? Yep, the Canon. It's, yeah. it's great. I'm with you 100%. I, and we see, you know, we seem to be moving away from the badge a little bit. Yeah. Have you noticed that? A lot more stuff is just the Canon. And I, I for one, like, I mean, let's be fair, none of us like the badge. <laughs> It looks yeah. like a nine-year-old did it on clip art. No, nobody likes that badge. I was, I was there at its unveiling next year. I can't remember the game now, but they brought it round. Uh, was it half time or before the game? I've got a feeling it was before the game, but it may have been at half time. They brought it around and they they walked around and they held a big flag of it. Right, they had four people, one holding each corner, walking it around. And you have never seen so many coins, bottles, and lighters and anything you can get being thrown at a flag before in your entire life it got booed it was it wasn't popular from the very beginning and wow. they've stuck with it they've stuck with it far too long and i am more than happy to see this iteration of the badge phased out and i do like the canon i think it's clean i think it's you know what it is as soon as you see it so i'm a, i'm a big fan of that i agree with you 100 percent. yeah we're in a we're in an uh an era of a lot of um you know disgruntled fans opinions on on redesigns you know you think of like uh uh uve and and uh inter milan recently you know they're very unpopular but i think if we if we basically just dropped the badge and went with just the canon i think most arsenal fans would would like that and i i agree with your opinion on the current the current badge too i mean even the the font just looks like it's straight out of you know word art it's uh it's very yeah, their, their argument for the their argument for the badge in the first place that crest if you like was that um the old badge had too many moving parts on it and they couldn't trademark it essentially i don't mm -hmm. know what it was that they couldn't trademark about it but they couldn't trademark it and that was their issue they had trouble going after people making counterfeit shirts and shorts and whatever else because they they just couldn't patent it so i guess that was one of the reasons for going to it it just the new badge just never it never really felt ours i don't think it ever did Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I just I I never warmed to it, and I don't think anyone warmed to it. So I definitely think this is progress. But you know, we were saying on Monday, our merch game has been top notch for the last few years. I think um, 
I mean, do you agree? I think uh, this would be a perfect time for kind of a rebrand redesign with everything that's going on. Um, Absolutely. I think it might be six months too late um, or a year too late, six months too late. Um, but I, I, it's, it's certainly as good a time as, as any other than last summer. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, that's, guess. hopefully that's, that's what they do because it's, it's, you know, it's one more thing where, and, and, and I mean, they've been really good at the outreach. We said this before, they've taken so much supporters opinions on board in the way that they've started to, to run the club, started to reach out to people. They've started, you know, with the artwork on the stadium, yep. their partnership with Adidas, all that stuff. Let the fans vote on it. Mm-hmm. You yep, know, I, I have no doubt which way it would go. The cannon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I have no doubt which way it would go. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think it is a good time for a, it's a good time for a rebrand. And I guess what you, you know, crests and badges and stuff, they're just different now to what they were 20 years ago. And it's obvious why we live in a digital world now, right? right? 20 years ago, everything was print media. You were worried about everything being four color CMYK. How's it going to come out? You're not worried about that anymore. We're, we're now very much in, in a digital age. So the most important thing is that it looks good on screen. And I just think that the, 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 the crest just seems outdated, right? It does. Yeah, it does. And it has for a little while, even, you know, um, I think it looks outdated when I pulled it in, to be quite honest. Like I said, it just it, it just looks like a like a like a Microsoft Word or clip art kind of yeah. kind of design. And it, it didn't look good from the start. So this is a perfect chance with everything that's going on at the minute. People are gonna get behind it. I, I think it's one more thing that they, they should do. But they seem to have been doing it just without talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's definitely a a, a reason that they've they've been doing just the canon and I've not really seen anybody uh, displeased about that. You know, it seems to be a really popular move, um, you know, just generally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope so, you know, I hope so. Uh, in, in anything, again, that'll, that, you know, will just bring the fan base and stuff like that closer together and feel more involved is, is going to be a great move right now for the club. You know, I mean, they, and like you said, they, they can't really miss right now. You know, they're, 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 they're killing it. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Okay, mate. Well, let's uh, let's call it a night right there, um, and we'll be back on Monday when some more games have taken place, and we can uh, hopefully all our players are still fit, still walking. Uh, England, Ukraine's obviously going to be a big one for us on on Sunday. Hoping that Saka and Zinchenko come through okay. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll catch up on on Monday. So I will see you then. Good night, everybody. Good night.